catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about the first trimester. Wow, it can be a bear for some of us. I know my first trimesters were were rough, and many of us go through that on our own. So my friend Francesca was pregnant, and I knew she had a really tough first trimester, so I wanted her to speak about it. She didn't want to talk about it until after she had her baby, so I finally got Francesca to come on to the podcast and share about her experience. As I said, it was really rough. Now, what I appreciate about Francesca's conversation was that she was open and honest. And what I thought about her sharing her challenge during her first trimester is it can be really helpful and supportive to those that are either going through it, might be coming up on it, or are now on the other side. That first trimester can feel incredibly isolating. And I just want those that are in the midst of it to really feel seen and supported. And I hope that some of Francesca's recommendations and ideas ideas might be helpful to you. So before we jump into this conversation, let me tell you a little bit about Francesca. So Francesca Severo has been a full-time yoga teacher since 2005. Her teaching is inspired by her foundational training with Cindy Lee at Ohm Yoga Center, the years she spent as a dancer, and the subsequent years she spent in physical therapy. Her teaching is also influenced by her love of Buddhist teachings and a constant curiosity about anatomy and biomechanics. She is in private practice teaching full schedule of one-on-one clients, mentoring yoga teachers in the science of the private lesson, hosts the podcast, the mentor session, support and strategies for yoga teachers, and is the founder of the adjoining community, the mentor session Sangha. Francesca is incredibly impressive. I have been... uh, luckily enough to be on her podcast talking about pre and postnatal yoga. And I actually took her prenatal class 11 plus years ago when I was pregnant with my son. She is incredibly knowledgeable. She's also incredibly honest and down to earth. I think you'll get a lot out of our conversation. Now, before we get to that, I just want to remind you that check out our brand new website. I'm so excited about how pretty it looks. Check it out. And while you're there, grab your free downloadable. It's called the five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. And even though it has the title pregnancy in it, I know postpartum folks, there's back pain and neck pain and hip pain. There's a lot when you care for a brand new person. So it's a quick cheat sheet for when you have an ache and pain and you cannot come to class. This can help bridge that gap. 
Now, while you're also there, you can check out our class schedule. We have a prenatal class every single day of the week, seven days a week. And right now that's seven days a week online, five days a week in person, but we'll be adding to that. And if you're a yoga teacher listening to that, we have a lot of offerings for yoga teachers. We've got a couple self-paced online courses. We also have our full prenatal teacher training program. We do it twice a year in person in New York City and twice a year online. So you can do it from wherever you happen to be from. And I guess the last thing I just want to mention is a big thank you. A thank you to those that continue to show up and support the community. We just hit our 20-year birthday or anniversary at Prenatal Yoga Center. It is bonkers to think about. I've been doing this for two decades, and it has been a joy and an honor to help lead this community. So thank you for continuing to show up. If you have a moment, can you please head to wherever you listen to this from and leave a rating review? It will hopefully help us continue for another 20 years. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Francesca. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Francesca, I am so excited to speak with you. How are you? I'm so glad to speak with you as well, Deb. I'm doing I'm doing really well today. Yeah, thank Yay. you so much. All right, so Francesca and I are saying in full transparency, you may hear her baby in, in the background. So, you know, that's what it is. We're talking about the first trimester, and so clearly Francesca's on the other side, but you may hear the other side. You may hear the baby. So I was thinking about this today as I was getting ready to head into the city that, so my son's birthday is in a couple of days. He's going to be 11, and I still remember taking class, prenatal class at Om Yoga, and you were my teacher. And it just was like a full circle of thinking about you and my son. I know. I can't believe he's going to be 11. That's amazing. And And we've talked about this when you've been on my podcast, but it was such an honor to have you in my prenatal classes. You already had your prenatal yoga center studio. It was thriving and you had your trainings. Um, So I was really touched and honored that you chose to do some of your prenatal practice in my class. It was really fun. It was really fun. All right. So I want to learn more about you. I know, I feel like having taught with you at home and I've listened to your podcast, you've been so kind to have me on twice, but this is the first time I've gotten you on my podcast. So let's share a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah. So I have been a full-time yoga teacher since 2005. Um, Pretty early on in my career, I started working a lot with private clients. Uh, I also taught quite a bit of prenatal yoga in those early days and really loved that. And I started um, also working with yoga teachers in 2011, 2012, training them primarily initially in 
working one-on-one with private clients and then expanding that into just general mentorship of yoga teachers. And I live now in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. with my husband, Zach, and my now three-and-a-half-month-old son, Max. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about that first trimester because I know that it was a challenge for you. And something you and I had talked about is it's not talked about. That first trimester, I feel like it's a secret for so many, and yet it is just a bear. It is, it it can be tough for many. So uh, I, I guess let's start with at what point did you feel comfortable sharing you were pregnant with others? It was sort of like a slow... Uh, expansion of like a ever widening circles. You know, there were a handful of people, I mean, more than a handful, probably 10, maybe closer to 15 people who knew like, you know, within, you know, immediately as soon as I had a positive pregnancy test, um, you know, my parents, my husband's parents, my closest girlfriends basically were the people who knew right away. And then as we got further and further along, sort of the circle of people that we felt comfortable including and sharing that information with grew. So then maybe at eight or 10 weeks, we told a few more people. I think when we hit the 12 week mark, my husband told a lot of his friends, he had been a little more reluctant to share than me. And you know, then at the 20 week mark, I think I started telling my students I was teaching exclusively online. And so, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but I was able to um, keep the news to myself and not share with students much, much longer than I would have been able to, if I'd been teaching in person. I was going to say 20 weeks is a lot of belly. Yeah, big time. Yeah. When I told my students, like, when I started telling people that I was pregnant, then I would like stand up and show them like I had this huge <laughs> belly and it was like this en- enormous shock, you know? And, um, but it was because of how difficult my first trimester was for a lot of reasons. I was extremely grateful that I was able to keep that news to myself and, and share it with students really when I felt ready and not before then. Well, can do you mind sharing what, how that first trimester was for you? You mentioned it was really challenging. Do you mind opening up about what those challenges were? Oh, of course not. Yeah. That's what we're here to talk about. Um, well, first of all, I was unbelievably sick. It was a kind of nausea I'd never experienced. It was so intense, the nausea that it was painful. That's the only way to describe it. It was such intense, extreme nausea. I found it. Yeah. Like just so painful that it was hard to function. I definitely was throwing up, but I wasn't throwing up. Like I never got diagnosed with HG. Mm -hmm. I was able to keep down water. I never ended up in the hospital dehydrated. It wasn't like that. I definitely threw up most days, but it's not like I was throwing up 15 times a day, but I was just so intensely nauseous that it was hard to do anything other than lie on the couch in pain. And that started really early. I think maybe I was like five weeks pregnant when that started and it really continued. It started to get better around 12, 13 weeks and then really was much better by the time I was 16 weeks. And I'm not sure about this, but I think some, I was having really bad acid reflux as well. Mm-hmm. And I actually think a lot of that nausea was directly related to the acid reflux because I started taking Pepsi. Like they put me on the kind of medicine 
that they give cancer patients. I can't remember, maybe diclegis or something else. I don't know, some something to help with the nausea that did nothing, mm. absolutely nothing. Like all the remedies that they offered me didn't help. But the one thing that helped quite a bit was when I started taking Pepsid. Hmm. And so I think that that may, that intense nausea may have been related to the acid reflux. I'm not sure. But so that was certainly one piece. There's other pieces we can talk about as well. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. The physical, just like painful nausea was obviously a a pretty big one. And then, so you had the Pepsid. What else did you do for coping? If you were teaching and waves of nausea, came up, how did you get past that? Especially since you weren't really sharing this until 20 weeks. Yeah. I mean, it was wild. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I did have a puke bucket next to my computer and on occasion either threw up right before I taught, right after I taught, or maybe like once or twice had people take a break in child's pose, turned off my camera and muted myself, threw up and then kept teaching. Oh, well, that's commitment. That's definitely commitment to, to staying there. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, I tried just physically some of the things that they suggest are like those little wristbands, mm-hmm. you know, that have like little pressure points. Yep. Maybe that helped a little, um, obviously like trying to not let myself get too hungry. Cause then it was really bad. Although I, there was not much that I was excited to eat, but you know, like nibbling on almonds, nibbling on saltines that helped some in terms of like coping so that I could teach. It's hard to say really, other than I love, love, love my work. I'm deeply fulfilled by it and inspired by it and very committed to it. And have a pretty, uh, strong, like dig deep mechanism. Mm-hmm. And I just dug really deep and pushed through, you know, um, like I wasn't sharing what was going on. I did feel horrible, but I wasn't exactly like faking it because I did love teaching. I was happy to be teaching. I also just felt like death, you know, it was like both things were true you know, I've, I've been teaching full time now for 17 years. And so in that time have, it's, you know, when it's, it's been my primary source of income since I was 23. And I've had lots of situations in my life where I was struggling, whether physically or emotionally, and I had to keep teaching because Mm -hmm. it was my job. And so, um, I have some practice, I guess, in teaching through difficulty. The first two years that I was a full-time yoga teacher, I had a very significant hip injury uh, to the point where I was walking with a cane and I couldn't practice asana at all. And, you know, I taught that whole time. And so I really learned some skills in that time that helped me kind of dig into my, like, best you know, teach yourself the highest version of myself so that my teaching, my showing up in presence and in joy could really be authentic, even though there was also something else really challenging happening. Did you find, I'll try not to get too off topic, but I, I often talk about that the coping skills we learn in pregnancy for often birth really are life skills that I found were super helpful in the beginning of parenthood and I'll say probably still, did you find any of that helpful in this first few months as a new parent? Like that dig in and I got to keep going. Yes, I'm sure. You know, and I definitely had practice with that before I was pregnant as well. So, um, 
people are always like so surprised at the things that I've taught through, but it's just, it's, it's always been my job. And so, you know, you just don't always, can't always just take a ton of time off your job because you're having a tough time. Yeah. You know? And, and I'm lucky to really, truly love it. So it, we, we made it through, <laughs> we made it through, but it was hard. You know I mean? I would, I couldn't do anything else. Did you like, find the fatigue up. overwhelming or did you not suffer from that? No, I definitely had that. I definitely had that too. I would get up, I would, you know, drag myself to go teach. I would sit down on my computer and kind of be like, okay, here we go. And then I would teach sometimes for, you know, six, eight hours. And then I would immediately go to lie down flat on my back on the couch and watch New Girl until (laughs) I went to bed. And that was all I did for, you know, more than three months. So most people you're, you're so, what I'm excited about is that we're talking about what most people experience and yet it is such a secret and it can feel isolating that you're suffering through this and only a small handful of people knew and you're keeping it from your students. I know that for our first birth, our first child, we kept it to ourselves. And then actually the second time I was pregnant, I had a miscarriage and I had actually talked about it earlier. And then I had a miscarriage and I had to kind of explain it again. And then the third time I kept it to ourselves, but I had wished that I'd had more support going through that nausea because it was hard. What were your thoughts about sharing, not sharing? What are your thoughts about why people keep it secretive? Yeah, I feel good really about the the way we shared it, who we shared it with. Like I said, it wasn't a, a total secret. There were like at least 10 people that we told like the day that we had a positive pregnancy yeah. test. So there were certainly like a small circle of, of very uh, beloved friends and family who were extremely supportive. Um, and then we slowly told more and more people as we felt more comfortable. So I feel, I felt good about that. I mean, what actually was the hardest for me in those early weeks was that the people that we did tell were so happy. This had been an extremely long journey for my husband and I essentially, you know, by the time we finally got pregnant, it had been more than three years that we'd been trying and the 10 people who we told when we were pregnant had known about that whole journey as well. So mm-hmm. people were just beside themselves excited for us. And of course we were beyond happy as well, but I, both of us, but I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit surprised, um, by how scared I was of loss. Mm-hmm. It was overwhelming the fear. And so what I struggled with a little bit was that, I, on some level, had never been happier. Finally, this thing that we had wanted for so long was was starting to happen, and I had also never in my life felt worse. I had never felt more physically sick, and I had never felt more emotionally terrified. And so the people that did know so wanted to celebrate with us, so wanted to be excited, so wanted to be happy, and I really had trouble connecting into that joy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that made it almost a little more isolating. I'm, I told the right people. I think I needed to tell those people they needed to be there for us in case there was a loss, mm-hmm. but having them constantly want us to be happier than we could muster because of our fear mm-hmm. was isolating in its own way. 
yeah. if that makes sense. It's it, kind of interesting. It does. I've heard that from students, especially when there has been a long road to get there and then they finally get there. And a conversation I've had with some students was, especially if the nausea or dis, like the discomfort of pregnancy is most, like I've had a couple of students that the whole pregnancy, they felt awful and they had a lot of fear and the conversation is like, I wanted this. I've worked for this. I've spent a ton of money to have this. I should be happy. I'm not a hundred percent happy and I feel guilty. So like what I, I love that you're voicing what so many people can relate to that you can have both. You can be extremely happy after especially a long journey and at the same time overwhelmed or scared. Absolutely. And I really feel like my yoga and spiritual practice prepared me for that. And I feel a lot of that in new new parenthood as well. I feel such extreme emotions on both sides of the coin. I feel so happy. I feel so scared. I feel so much joy. I feel so tired. And I think it's hard as humans to hold two truths like that. But in yoga, we get a lot of practice with that. And so I think I just spent, you know, a lot of a lot of those early weeks and months holding both of those truths, you know, in terms of like why people don't share and why we didn't share more widely. I think, you know, it's like miscarriage is so common. Loss is so incredibly common. And some people I think don't share because they don't, well, I don't know. I mean, I think that's some of the reason why people are like, oh, you should tell people you should get that support if you're going to have loss and loss is very common and we need to be more open about it. And I, I hear that and respect that view. For me, it wasn't like if there was a loss, it, I wouldn't have seen it as like a failure on my part, mm-hmm. you know, but I just, there's only a small circle of people that I would really need to walk with me through that grief. Yeah. Like I don't want or need the whole internet to walk with me through that grief. And so like I told the circles of people who I would want to walk with me, Mm -hmm. that I would need their support. If something, you know, then I finally did tell my students, then I finally did share it on my podcast. Then I finally did share it in my newsletter. And it was at those points, like if there had, you know, if tragically there had been some loss at eight months, at nine months, I probably would have told the people in my newsletter because I would probably take a year off. Like they wouldn't see me and I would want them to know why it was like, I told the people that if there had been a loss, it would have felt comfortable and helpful and appropriate for them to know about it. Um, But I didn't want to tell more people than I wanted to know at the various phases. That makes complete sense. At what point did some of the fear begin to subside? Does it ever? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's really been interesting. I'm in this really amazing new parents support group that's local to the DMV area. It's called Pace. If anybody's in Washington, Maryland, DC area, and you are pregnant or having a baby soon, you have to do Pace. It's been hands down the best thing I've done. But I'm with this group of of nine other moms, and our babies are all like exactly the same age, like within weeks, if not days of each other. And we've had a lot of conversations about how we were worried the whole time we were pregnant, we were worried about all the wrong things. You know, I was so, so scared of like the big potential loss, 
know, the miscarriage before 12 weeks, some, something really tragic happening before 20 weeks, even something like SIDS happening in the early weeks after our son was born. Like that, that was all I thought about. And that was all I worried about. And since he's here now, I realized like the, certainly once we got past 12 weeks, those things were very unlikely to happen, but I should have been worried about the things that have been challenging, like having a low milk supply in the beginning, having a son with a tongue tie who had a lot of trouble breastfeeding, a formula shortage. Like there's been all these things that have been so incredibly stressful yeah. that didn't even cross my mind to be worried about. Anyway, that's not really your question. Your question was when did the fear. No, but I'm glad you said that. I'm totally fine with going off topic of that because <laughs> I, but, I mean, I think it got it got, it changed. You know, it's like after 12 weeks, we definitely breathed a huge, huge, huge sigh of relief and really felt like some of the joy start to creep in. And then I think there was another layer of that that happened after 20 weeks. And then, you know, I had some physical things that popped up throughout my pregnancy. So it's like, we'd get a few weeks of just being in total joy. And then like at 14 weeks, I had a blood clot in my leg hmm. and that was like very scary. And so that sort of brought some of the anxiety back. There kind of kept being these little ups and downs, I would say, you know, but I think, I think that's parenthood. I think that's parenthood. Yeah, totally. <laughs> He's here now and he is um, the happiest. We had a really challenging kind of fourth trimester, which I can tell you about as well, but we're kind of through at least most of that. And he is so happy and he has these like chubby cheeks, which I feel like I worked really hard for <laughs> to get the weight on him. And he has a very, very good discerning taste in music. So a lot of time singing. And I think a lot of that like fear of that big, big loss has sort of receded to the background finally now, I would say. That's, that's amazing. And I'm totally fine going off topic on certain things because I think your story, while every story is unique, there is a common thread that people can hear and, and see themselves reflected back in. So I'm happy to go off on some of those things, especially when I kind of laugh to myself when you're like, it has a fear end. I will say, and I tend to catastrophize things a little bit. I don't know if the fear ever ends. I really don't know if the fear ever ends. I think we can have, like you said, walk with both. We can be incredibly happy and appreciative. And yet there could still be that fear of the other shoe dropping. That could just be me, but that's how I think that's... No, I think when you love someone so much, it's like the other side of that deep love is the fear of loss and grief. Yeah. And that's true for everybody that we love. I feel like that about my brother. I feel like that about my mom. I feel like that about my husband, you know? Yeah. And these little people, they're so, um, you know, they're... They're, they come out kind of fragile, you know, they, they come out kind of half baked and they need a lot of, a lot of care. So I think it makes sense. The fear and the joy. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what were some of the most surprising things to you about your first trimester? We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We're back. So I know that you had taught prenatal. So you weren't like, it wasn't your first time in the whole perinatal world, but having gone through it yourself as more like in it, as opposed to a, a, an observer, what, what kind of blew your mind? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, I was surprised by how really bad I felt. I was, it was so extreme, the sickness. And I think there's no way you can prepare for that. You know, it's sort of like there's really no way you can prepare for those early weeks of the fourth trimester when your baby's here. It's just something you can hear about, you can read about, but there's just this this intensity that came with it that I was surprised by. So I was surprised by how sick I was. I was surprised that I was as anxious as I was. Hmm. Um, but it's funny when I look back at pictures of myself from that time, oh my God, I look amazing. It's weird. <laughs> Like I really look so happy and healthy odd because I really felt so, so bad, but you couldn't really see it on my face. So, um, yeah, I was just, I was surprised by how challenging it was to tap into the joy. What do you wish you knew that maybe could have helped you prepare for that? Or maybe there was nothing that could have helped you. I don't know. I mean, I think... If I had known that it would end and I would feel better, I think that would have helped because I was really scared. I was one of those people who are sick through their whole pregnancy. Yeah. And you don't know if you're going to be one of those people or not. And so there's not that much you can do. It's like, I want to say what I wish I had known is that it would get better. But that may not be, if someone's listening to this right now, you know, with a puke bucket next to them, I pray for you that it gets better, but you actually can't know until it does. So I'm just not sure there's anything I could have done or known that would have helped it. Yeah. I think definitely make sure you have a good show with like a lot of seasons, (laughs) like cued the F up. Like have a cue. I'm trying to think of something like what has a good 11 seasons to it. What does? I'm trying to think like what show has a good like 10 or 11 seasons ready to sit and just consume. I mean, there's The Office, you know, that would be a good one, especially if it's a rewatch. New Girl was great for me. That's like seven or eight seasons. So like have a show ready to go. And, you know, the only thing that really I could eat was um, like uh, brioche hamburger buns. I just like nibbled on those. It's disgusting, but that's what I ate. So I think just like have your saltines, your hamburger buns, your show. No, at some point it might, it's hopefully not, but it, the worst case scenario, it's the baby comes and you finally feel better. Like it does end. And then you have a little baby and that's a whole new rodeo. There's a season for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, it was nice that you were able to, at the end, chill and watch your shows. What about when you, you said you were kind of got the adrenaline to get you through work. Let's talk a little bit more about managing work and the exhaustion and the nausea. Can you go a little deeper into also then your suggestions for others when they may not be able to tune off? (laughs) I can't believe you threw up during teaching. That's actually pretty amazing. Um, what are your suggestions for people about conquering work and that 
very precarious first trimester. I think you, one thing that actually my husband and I didn't know that we could have prepared for is that on the potential off chance that you are as sick as I was, be prepared and have your partner, if you have one prepared to completely take care of everything Mm. besides your job that you have to do, like grocery shopping, cooking, cleaning, like all of it. Like that's, you just have to take as much of that off your plate as you can, unless you can and want to take time off of your job. I mean, it's kind of funny because I had this attitude that was like, well, this is my job. I can't take time off. So I have to push through. Although, I mean, I did teach less. I definitely cut back a little bit. You know, I took a week here or there. There were some clients that I, you know, like passed on to other teachers. So I did lighten my workload maybe by 15%. Mm -hmm. And when I was telling the other parents in my support group, my PACE support group, you know, that I had like taught through that, they just were like, their minds were blown. And I was sort of like, yeah, well, I couldn't afford to take time off. And yet I had saved and planned for a six month long maternity leave. Mm. So then in red, they were looking at me kind of like, well, it seems like maybe you could have afforded to take time off. You know, if you had saved for this long maternity leave, you should have taken some of it then. And it honestly didn't cross my mind. Yeah. It just didn't even cross my mind to like really take more significant time off. But my business technically could have afforded it. Right. So whoopsie, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, like if, if, if you were able to you know, let go of either work responsibilities or home or other childcare responsibilities as much as possible. You just really have to, it's like, you got to get the support in place for that. Have you, and you don't have to share if you're planning on the other kids or not, but have you thought in the idea of like, uh Oh, what if I had another child to care for? (laughs) I have thought about that. And I think, you know, we're kind of like not really in a phase where we can even think or talk about that, but probably we would like to try. So I mean, certainly the plan was to try before we had Max. And now we just have to sort of recalibrate and see. But yeah, I I actually cannot imagine if I would be that sick, what I would do. We just, we'd have to call in support. Like we'd have to be like, mom, you have to come stay with us, like, or something. I don't know what we do. Yeah. Cause it's, it could, like you said, be debilitating. I had that for more of the fourth trimester. My big fear is that I had a really hard birth and my fourth trimester of physical therapy was very time consuming emotionally and physically. The, when one's pelvic floor is not working functionally, it is very emotionally uh, taxing. And I kept of thinking, course, I'm like, yeah. how am I going to do this a second time caring for two kids. It's almost like the flip side when you're that nauseous. Like I remember when my first trimester, when that with the miscarriage child and my, my daughter of like laying on my son's floor, just like sick and tired as he literally crawled around over me. It, yeah, (laughs) it's hard. I mean, that's the thing. Like everybody, somehow everybody survives, you know, like I, you, you may not feel like the most energized parent, but like, the kid will get fed. The kid will go down for the naps occasionally. Like every, it's hard on everyone. And also everyone makes it out. Okay. Yeah. Like just on a very, very small scale. A week ago, I had a really bad case of mastitis. I had a clogged duck. I got this bad breast infection. I've had, there's another conversation, but I'm very prone to those. And this is now my third time having mastitis oh. in three and a half months. 
And it, it, did you ever have it, Deb? It no, is- I had a clogged duct that I thought I was, I literally was like, it's never going to go away. Like I remember labor thinking that would end. This is like, I'm, I think I'm going to die. Like it's not even a status, but I, in my head, I went to that. I'm so sorry. Three months and you've had it three times. Yes. It's crazy. Ugh. And it's that, that infection is the, some of the worst I've ever, 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 ever felt. I mean, the fatigue was unbelievable. It was way worse than the first trimester. I felt like I had taken half a bottle of sleeping pills. I could not keep my eyes open. I could, and I had to take care of my son all day. My husband, you know, did as much as he could to take breaks from work and give me a chance to take a nap. But a lot of it I still had to do because we sort of didn't realize what was happening until it was happening. And so he couldn't really like not work that day. Um, but yeah, I mean, Max just like laid on his back and I played him music and I laid on the floor next to him and I tried to keep my eyes open and sing to him, which is his favorite thing. And I also sometimes closed my eyes and fell asleep and like, it was brutal and it ended and he was okay. And I feel like, I guess that must just be how it would be if I had a second child and I was that sick again, it'd be brutal. And like, somehow you make it through. I don't know. I feel like the theme of this conversation is like, things can be brutal and we can find our way through. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How Life, did, you know? yeah, it can be brutal and we'll find our way through. How did your yoga practice change in that time? Well, I stopped practicing completely. Got 100%. I mean, I think I picked my practice up again, maybe at about 14, 15 weeks. But in that first trimester, really all I did was like sit in my computer and then lay flat on my back on the couch, which I think is why I got a blood clot because I had never been so sedentary in my whole life. Mm-hmm. But, um, it was really the first time in probably 20 years that I, that I even, that I didn't do any restorative yoga poses that I, that I let go of my meditation practice completely. You know, I had never just completely let go of all parts of those practices, but I, I had no choice. I mean, I went to act, I was going to acupuncture every week and talking to my acupuncturist about how sick I was. And for some reason she asked and I told her, you know, obviously I wasn't practicing asana. And she said, you know, are you, are you just grabbing your bolster and like doing a restorative yoga pose? And I said, honestly, I've been so, I'm in so much pain from the nausea that the only way I can really get through the day is to disassociate from my body and doing things, even like a lovely, sweet restorative yoga pose, you know, brings me in touch with my body and it makes me more aware of the discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I really have to just disassociate. And I, you know, that was quite an extreme answer, but it was the honest truth. I was still, I had to private Pilates lessons weekly with my friend Kirsten Lyon, who owns Toronto movement therapy. She's been on the podcast a bunch of times too. Um, And so I was still seeing her for Pilates and, you know, I told her the same thing. Like the only way I get through the day really is to kind of like disconnect from my body. And I think she really was like, whoa, that's really intense, but it was true. And also it ended, you know, and I picked back up my yoga practice in the second trimester and I continued strength training as well. And 
through my pregnancy and actually like really felt quite healthy and strong through the rest of my pregnancy. Once I made it through that first trimester, I just had to completely let go of all my physical and spiritual practices without guilt. And that's what I did. And then I picked them back up when I could. And that's so, I'm so appreciative of you sharing that because there are so many people that would probably be like, Oh, I feel so guilty doing this, but we shouldn't shit on ourselves. And the fact that you're just so open, you're like, I couldn't do it. And and you had a 20 year practice and you're like, couldn't do it. This is what I have to do to get myself to the next day and the next day. And I think that's just, it's brave. And I appreciate it because I think a lot of people are getting to see themselves in this conversation. Is there anything else about the first trimester that you want to share? And I just really appreciate you sharing your struggle. I think it's really hard when people are just like, oh, it was great. (laughs) Yeah. And I think for some people it is great, but I think if it's not great, I want people to know that they're not alone, even if they don't really feel comfortable talking about it, even if they don't feel comfortable sharing about it, there are, uh, you know, generations of people who have survived it before you and you will survive it too Mm -hmm. is the message I want to share with people. And certainly if you're needing to let go of things, if you need to let go of your yoga practice, if you need to let go of some work responsibilities, if you need to just like let your house be a mess, there's just no reason whatsoever to feel guilty about letting those things go and and just coping and just getting to the next day. I mean, I really do feel like hamburger buns and new girl from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. was my spiritual practice at the time because that was me really just honoring my capacity, honoring my needs, doing what I needed to do to survive in as you know, less pain as possible until bedtime. And then I must have been taking something that helped me sleep because it was also supposed to help with nausea. I think, did I take Unisom? Maybe so. And I would just like look forward. And sometimes maybe I was just tired enough that I would just fall asleep, but I would just like so look forward to the time when I could go to sleep and the day would be over. And I think if you're listening to this and you have felt like that, or you're feeling like that, there's nothing wrong with you. There are times in life when we have to just make it to the next day. And that in itself is a huge accomplishment and whatever coping mechanisms you need to use to make it to the next day. I think we honor that. Yeah. We just honor that. Oh, I've loved this. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. If you have one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents, and we can dip into your fourth trimester if you feel like opening into that, but anything that's kind of popping into your head that you just want to share, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at So what words of wisdom would you like to leave us with? Something that somebody told me when I was pregnant that has rung so true for me in in this fourth trimester that I'm just making my way out of now is 
there's nothing more important you can do as a brand new parent than trust yourself. Mm. You will be really surrounded by people with opinions. And when, when the, this person told me this, I really was imagining like, Oh, your mother-in-law thinks that you're like spoiling the baby by holding them too much. But no, I mean, maybe it's that too, but it was more like, for us, we had, we had this very difficult fourth trimester. We were seeing tons and tons and tons of doctors and everybody sort of had a different and tons of lactation consultants and everybody had a different take on what was wrong. And I didn't expect so many medical professionals to have differing opinions and to be sharing their differing opinions. And for us to feel like we were floundering so much and trying to figure out how to take care of our son. Mm. And it was then that I realized like, we're the ones who are with him 24 hours a day. If we keep saying something is wrong and people keep telling us, no, no, this is fine. This is normal. Like we really needed to trust ourselves. And so I think as a new parent, you are with that baby all day long. And you want to trust yourself and you want to, as much as you can, surround yourself with other people who empower you to trust yourself. Like if you say to a practitioner, something is wrong and they say, no, 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 no. It's in your head. You need to see someone else. Mm. You need to, you need to work with people who honor your instincts and your intuition because there is something just magically sort of intuitive about those early months, even though you have no, or I had no idea what I was doing. And I was so overwhelmed and so scared. I also really had to tap into that deep self-trust. And as soon as I started doing that, trusting myself and trusting my son and the cues he was giving me, everything started to turn around. So I think that's my main piece of advice is trust yourself and be around people who empower you to trust yourself because you really do know your baby best. I 100% agree. Did you get the tongue tie situation fixed? We did. Yes. And I kept saying to all these people, something is wrong. He is starving. He's, he's not getting enough food when he breastfeeds. I don't know if it's my supply. I don't know what's wrong, but he is not getting enough food. And the lactation consultants would look at him and they'd be like, he's latching great. He looks like he's eating great. You know, if he is fussy after he eats, then it must just be that he has gas. But I would say like, no, my boobs feel really full. Like, so we ended up doing triple feeds at every feed. I would nurse him for sometimes like 30 minutes on both sides. And then I would pump and then I would give him a bottle. It was bananas. And we did it, what, eight times a day. We oh did my that. goodness. So we had many pediatricians and lactation consultant tell us he didn't have a tongue tie. And then finally we found a lactation consultant who said, I think you're right. I think he does have a tongue tie. And we got that released and it was hard. And we had to do these horrible, horrible exercises afterward. Oh my God. Where he just, we have to like stretch his tongue to make sure that it doesn't grow back. You know, it doesn't scar tissue up. And he would just like scream like you were murdering him. And my, my husband and I would both like sob while we did it. It was so dramatic. It was awful. And then also he got much, much better in the, in the weeks after that at breastfeeding, we worked with a great feeding therapist and we did all these other exercises. He's like a champ breastfeeder now, but it was really hard. Um, and a lot of people kept telling us that he didn't have a tongue tie and he did. And I knew it. 
I knew something was wrong, trust but I didn't self, know what. Trust. You know? Of course, because that's not like your field, but you knew. Like yeah. you knew as the mama bear, like, so, oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. I don't love yeah. that you had to go through it, yeah. but I love that you yeah. stuck to your, your gut and you didn't just yeah. sit there and be like, okay. Oh, yeah, totally. Where can people find your work? Yeah, so my website is francescacervero.com. I have a lot of resources for yoga teachers there, as well as an online studio that's called Stillness and Movement. You can find it at stillnessandmovement.com or at my site as well, and we have online uh, vinyasa yoga classes there. And I have a podcast for yoga teachers called The Mentor Sessions, and then an adjoining online community called The Mentor Sessions Sangha. So all of that you can find at my website, francescacervero.com. And I will say it's fantastic. I listened to, again, I've had the honor of being on it twice, talking about pre and postnatal, but I listen to it on a regular basis and it is delightful and intelligent and really well done. I love the one you did with your parents. Oh, thank you. Oh, I found that really endearing. Right now. I found it so endearing. It really made me smile. Well, Francesca, thank you so much for being brave enough to share your struggles. I think when we can hear of other people, it can feel in their struggles, it can make us feel less isolated with our own and find a sense of bravery and connection. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. You know, I was very clear that I didn't really want to share about it as it was happening, especially with the public, but I'm so happy to share about it now that I'm on the other side, because I, I know it can be isolating and I want people to know that other people have experienced that even if they're not talking about it in the moment, because it's just too, too hard and there needs to be too much energy towards getting to the next day, but I'm thrilled to share about it now. So thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.